Hi there, travelers. I'm Riley. I'm Angelica. I'm Isabella. And this is True Crime International. So Riley, where are going today? Where are we? <laughs> where are we going today? <laughs> where are you taking us? Well, today we're going to Canada. I've never been. I'm excited. Thank you. It's an hour from here. Age, get in your car. I think we. I think we talk about this every single episode. Every single episode. I know. It just blows my mind. It's literally an hour from here. <laughs> um, and we're we're going for what was supposed to be a layover. Um, but there was like a really big snowstorm, and so uh, we just got stuck here for a couple days. In reality, it was meant to be a layover, and then I got to page five of writing it, and and figured that it's too long for a layover. I mean, coincidentally, so, it is snowing outside. We got stuck in Canada. That's what happened here. And we're gonna talk about this guy. His name's Joseph Albert Gay, and he was born in 1970 in Quebec, Canada, and. Something I learned about names in Quebec, Canada at this time was that basically everyone was born and named with the first name either Joseph or Marie. (laughs) (laughs) And then they were given a second name, and that's the name that they were called by because they were way too Catholic to not name (laughs) their children. In Spain, Spain, there are like five names for each gender, I swear. When I was teaching, if I didn't know someone's name, I would just look down and say one of the five names for whichever gender, and someone would answer. <laughs> there is always a Marta, an Anna, a Maria. Um, well, that's those are the three like female names, and then for the boys, it's Carlos. For whatever reason, Iker. But then there's like Jose, and then just Catholics need to branch out a little bit more. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone has the same name. I know, like. I know like seven Marias. And so when my boyfriend says, I'm going to see Maria, I'm like, you have to be so much more specific. Take a drink. <laughs> Take a drink every time someone's named Maria. Um, so that's why I'm calling him Albert and not Joseph Albert. Although he did go by J. Albert because he wanted to be like fancy or something. But we're calling him oh, Albert because you know that's what? what he deserves. Okay, that's too unrelatable. But I think it's so cute when people uh, take away their significant others like name and just like call them by the first letter like like hey t or something like that adorable obviously if anyone called this it doesn't work with n it's not cute what no it doesn't work with n oh (laughs) yeah (laughs) it doesn't work like that no (laughs) it it has to be very specific it has to be like j t t z p yeah it's gotta be an e it can't be N. <laughs> okay. Anyways, we got J. Albert. And also unrelated, Albert is the hardest name to type, like <laughs> fluently. Okay. I have the hardest time. <laughs> I already have a hard time with typing Albert, not it. <laughs> his, surname's, was- his surname's really throwing me because you pronounced it gay, but I'm reading it as guay because that's the word, that's one of the words for cool in Spain. Yeah. You're like that's guay. that's like the you know like Spanish Mexican pronunciation guy guy but mm-hmm. French said gay so 
French Google Translate, that is. Mm-hmm. But he was the youngest of five children, and his dad was killed in a train accident when he was five. Uh, Because he loved talking to people and, like, you know, talking them up and socializing um, and was pretty good at it, he became, uh, he began selling watches and jewelry when he was 16 to make, you know, like, small amounts of commission. When he was 23, he found another job at a local factory where he was also able to, like, lightly continue his jewelry sales. And it was at this factory where Albert met Rita, another worker, and they were married shortly after. They were married, like, three months after because, you know, people move quick. People move quick in the 30s. Seems they cute, but <laughs> I'm going I'm, to I'm a, a hold that opinion for now because something... About this has to go wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> they moved to an apartment in Lower Town, which was kind of like the not the greatest part of the city in Quebec. Lower Town was like you know what you would expect Lower Town to be. <laughs> um, it was <laughs> it was also at this factory that Albert became close friends with a woman named Marguerite Roost 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 who was described as always willing to do someone a favor. We'll get back to that. Eyebrows a few raised. Years, <laughs> a few years I had someone's later, phone buzz. Wasn't me. Whose phone be buzzing, Ainge? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't me. A few years later, Albert and Rita moved to Seven Islands, where Albert became a full-time traveling jewelry salesman again. Uh, they had a daughter, and he... Like, basically was always traveling to these other little river towns, like Seven Islands, you know? During a trip back to Quebec that Albert met and became enamored with a local waitress, Marie Ange. I'm not going to say her last name because it's not important. She was tall and kind of lanky, you know, skinny, with dark hair, plucked eyebrows. I guess that was a thing, plucked eyebrows, and dark eyes. It was the 30s, so I imagine, like, those movie stars that had, like, the really thin but really long eyebrows. Yeah. At the time they met, she was 17 years old, but she told Albert that she was 19. And remember, Albert's, like, 30, (laughs) so this is a little weird. Marie Ange knew all about Albert's what? Are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) Me definitely doing the same thing <laughs> that age. I mean, I didn't lie about my age, but I feel you, Ange. I feel you. Ange, is your mic turned up really high? Because you're just extra. No. You're coming. Th- you're coming in extra loud today. No, uh, she's just excited to be here. That time she is. So, Marie Ange knew all about Albert's wife and daughters. But they gave her parents a fake name for Albert, and they believed that he was just a more than suitable bachelor for their daughter. Albert even gave her a ring, because he was a jewelry salesman, and he moved his family back to Lower Town so that he could be closer to his mistress. And, like, there were a lot of rumors flying around, let me tell you. This was not, like, a quiet, like, this was, like, everyone knew everyone, everyone talked. One of those places. So Albert began calling her parents' house three to four times a week. But in 1948, Rita found out about their little affair. And she went to Marie Ange's house and told her parents what Albert's real name was and that he was not an eligible suitor. And because of this, Marie Ange's parents kicked her out. And 
when they did their daughter. Yep, they because I mean, think about this. This is 1948. It's like scandalous, you know. Well, did she know that he was married? Oh yeah, she knew all about it. Okay. Well, still rude. Either way, rude. (laughs) (laughs) So when she got kicked out, Albert called Marguerite, his friend from the factory, and asked if she could stay there because. She needed a place to stay, which Marguerite, of course, said yes to because she never said no to a favor. Shortly after this, Marguerite moved out of the apartment with her mans, and Albert continued to pay the rent so Marie-Ange could stay there. Eventually, This is like though, Pose. This is like Pose. Yeah. You seen Pose? No. Yeah. But I don't... <laughs> why is it like Pose? Because Evan Peters pays for the apartment for Angel. Oh, I'll yeah, have to watch it. That, that's, a, <laughs> that's complicated. <laughs> Eventually, though, Marie Ange decided that she wanted out from the relationship. Also, uh, side note, she told her parents that she was living in Montreal, so they couldn't easily find her. Like when they kicked her out, she said that she had moved to Montreal and not that she was just like a couple minutes away. So this is that's important for what I'm about to say. She bought a round trip train ticket to Montreal and back so that her parents could pick her up from the train station like she was just going to ride the train there and back so that like it was believable that she came from Montreal but when she got on the train she went to use the washroom which is like Canadian bathroom and (laughs) Albert ambushed her and said if she didn't get off the train with him right then and there that he would cause a scene which is really abusive and manipulative (sighs) yeah fuck you Albert (laughs) he then took her back to the apartment And to make sure that she couldn't leave, he burned her gloves in the oven and slept in her coat. Then in the morning, (laughs) how does that keep someone from leaving? Because I mean, like in the fifties, you're not gonna like leave home without your coat in the middle of winter. Yeah, that's that's a weird. (laughs) The gloves in the oven really like really. Okay, well this 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 next part is even worse. Then in the morning, um, he bit her, he, he bit her face several times to deter her from leaving the apartment. Ew. So that like, like he left marks on her face so that she was embarrassed to leave the apartment. That's I do not like this. So again, he is abusive and manipulative and we do not stan Albert. Also, I'm, I'm thinking about this because I can't not, he had to like bite her hard to leave marks. Yeah. That Which had I, to hurt. Yep. Angel's gagging. <laughs> don't bite but my face gonna, or else I'm not going to be into it. <laughs> now I'm going to fast forward a little bit um, to the part where Albert decided that he wanted to kill his wife, Rita. That was a jump. Yep. Just a little bit. <laughs> At first, he thought that poison would be the rest route. And he even tried the to what route? The best route. You said rest. <laughs> I think I said the B really fast, but um, he thought that poison would be the best route. And he tried to solicit someone that he knew to poison her for him, <laughs> which why would you tell someone he is offered it, them? F- I, I was about to say, is it is it Mar- Marguerite? He said, any favor, Marguerite? <laughs> <laughs> he offered this person five hundred dollars, but they basically told him that he was fucking nuts. And then they just dismissed it and walked away, <laughs> which if someone tries to get you yeah. to kill their wife, maybe don't just dismiss it and walk away. I would t- I would tell someone maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. I would yeah. And if I didn't feel confident 
enough to tell like authorities, I would tell someone I knew. Tell your friend. Tell your significant other. Tell <laughs> like, if you're not a if you're not a hitman by profession, you should probably tell somebody. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So about a month later, there was a plane crash caused by an admirer of a married woman who hired convicts to sneak a time bomb on board to kill the woman's husband who was on the plane. That was a long sentence. I hope you're still with me. The crash killed 13 people and it was like briefly covered by the press. And this is where, you know, people say Albert got his idea. It's believed that he took a plane ride shortly after this crash happened and shortly after he learned about it. And on that plane ride, he took note of when the plane was like over water and when it was over land, like on his watch, he like timed it. Because when a plane crashes into water, it's much harder to discern what caused the crash than if a plane were to crash on land. What the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> that's something I'm I'm not taking planes actually yeah. I'm done <laughs> in the weeks and months after that flight in which Albert made his calculations Rita moved out of their apartment with their daughter so she like kind of like left him she was like I'm out of here and Marie Ange deserted Albert and moved back in with her parents and found a job as a waitress in like a lower town restaurant But one day on her way to work, Albert ambushed her with a gun and said that if she didn't get back together with him, he would shoot himself and maybe even shoot her too. To which she replied that she would be late to work if he didn't leave her alone. (laughs) Because she's kind of fucking badass. (laughs) Also, she's like, you can't shoot me. I'm going to be late. Literally. And he's just this dump truck full of elephant shit. Um, (laughs) Were you going to say something, Ange? I was just going to say that, like, He literally wanted to kill her, and now he's trying to get back with her. It's, you know, it's that uh, abusive thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. But a police officer saw them arguing, you know, like, on the street, because Eller was like, and she was like, get the fuck away from me. And he... Mood. (laughs) And so... When Albert saw the police officer, because the police officer like walked over to them, Albert fled, and the policeman walked her the rest of the way to work, and then waited outside the restaurant to see if Albert would come back. And of course, because he's a dumbass, he did. <laughs> and he was arrested and charged with attempted assault with a deadly weapon. But what did Albert do? Albert called Marguerite, who got him a lawyer, and the lawyer got his charges reduced to that of carrying a gun illegally, and the next morning, he was fined $25 and released. Wow. <laughs> I'm... Okay. <laughs> so, two days after he, like, all this happened, Albert called Mariange and said that it was imperative that they meet. And when they did, he told her, dun-dun-dun that Rita was going to have her arrested for damaging the reputation of the gay name because Marie Ange had him arrested. (laughs) This is all fucking lie. I just want you to know. Yeah. And he said that she should go to Montreal to hide while, while this all blows over. And, and so she complied and he accompanied her to Montreal for a short time. And then he convinced her to move to seven islands. (laughs) Which I feel so bad for this girl. I feel yeah, so bad for her because he is just so, so manipulative. 
Yes. She's like barely 18. That's fucked up. So after a week of being in Seven Islands together, literally a week, they started arguing again. And like a month and a half later, she went back to Quebec because she's like, dude, fuck this. Honestly, (laughs) I'm surprised it took a week. I know, right? You got to get over that like honeymoon phase, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So it was at this time that Albert decided that the only way that him and Marie Ange would be happy together would be if they were married. But he knew that Rita wouldn't grant him a divorce, which brings us back to him planning her murder. Mm. And he really got serious about hatching that plan. Because his unfaithfulness was widely known, though, you know, like in Lower Town, he thought that if people would suspect that she had been murdered, that they would immediately suspect that he did it. Which is where the plane crash comes in. Oh. So Albert actually discussed his plans with like a lot of people I didn't for know some one. reason. Like like the first guy that he asked to help poison her. Like, I don't know. And one person even wrote to Rita anonymously and said, quote, watch out because something is going to happen to you. Which is fucking terrifying. Fucking terrifying. Okay. Yeah. But eventually... Marguerite and her brother agreed to help Albert. Again, not sure why. Too good of a friend? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but uh, there is a limit for what I will do for (laughs) y'all. And this is like kind of a spoiler, but who fucking cares? Um, When they were tried, like for this, um, the prosecution didn't even attempt to establish a motive for them. Which is, like, really funny for me for some reason. Like, they just didn't even bother because they were like, who fucking knows? Yeah. We don't care because they did it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Marguerite actually did owe Albert, like, $600 in 1950. And he said that if she helped him that he would forgive the debt. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. In 1950, that's a shit ton of money. Yeah. And I guess some people thought that she might actually have hoped to like blackmail Albert after this. But who knows? Don't know. <laughs> not a good enough reason to get involved. Yeah, not a good enough reason. <laughs> but then there were other people who like thought that Marguerite was in love with Albert, so maybe she was like, Yeah, I'll help you kill your wife, then she'll not be out a of good picture. enough reason to get Still involved. not a good enough reason. <laughs> anyway, Marguerite said that she would buy some dynamite for a bomb. And her brother offered to put the bomb together in his workshop because apparently he had that. <laughs> but when she went to buy the dynamite, she found out that in Canada, a person had to sign like their name to buy explosives because they like kind of lightly tracked it. Who was and who wasn't buying explosives. Kind of would hope so. As they should. Yeah. Yeah. But she just signed a fake name because you could do that in 1950. <laughs> And she said getting she away was... with murder was so <laughs> easy before the 1970s, 80s. Mm-hmm. Not that they got away because they didn't, but yeah. anyways. <laughs> um, no, but still, like I can't, I can't even. It, it's so hard. For but me also, to, like this, ex- this excuse that they used, like that she used, she said that she was just buying it for her neighbor who was trying to blow out some tree stumps. No. <laughs> <laughs> uses dynamite to blow out some tree stumps bro that's wild just get a tractor like if you lied well enough and if you went anywhere near the crime scene like there were no witnesses no one could have ever pinned anything on right? you really <laughs> it would never be enough evidence and so the fact that they get caught 
just goes to show how stupid they are. (laughs) So that same night that she bought that dynamite, Albert went back to Seven Islands and he took Rita with him as like what she thought was a reconciliation trip. You know, like they were like going to get back together because they were still living that together. Isn't Marie Ange still over there, too? No, remember, she left and went back to Quebec Uh, because they started fighting. Yes. Yeah. When they got back from this trip, I think they were there for like a week, um, Albert and Marguerite's brother um, really got working on that time bomb while Albert came up with a plan in which to use it. He remembered that a few weeks prior, he had taken those two suitcases of jewelry to Bay Komu on like his um, his flight or whatever. You know, that one that he took when he timed when he was over the water and when he was over land. That's when he took these two suitcases. So he asked his wife, Rita, if she would go fetch them for him by way of airplane. Foreshadowing. (laughs) She was reluctant because she didn't love flying because I don't know who would in the 1950s. (laughs) But she agreed and Albert booked her a round trip ticket to make it, you know, not suspicious on the 1020 a.m. flight on September 9th. And he also paid the 50 cents extra for a $10,000 insurance policy for the flight and named himself as the beneficiary. Okay, of but course like, he did. Also, <sighs> uh, he was trying to do this so they couldn't, um, they wouldn't like suspect him. But I feel like if I saw that, I'd be like, you did it. You did it. Okay, but I think like you, um, I'll get there. Okay. I guess. They don't really, they don't really keep track of who bought the tickets, you know, just that so, like the ticket was bought. Albert, Marguerite, and her brother had planned for the bomb to explode at 1045 because that is when Albert thought that the plane would be over the river, which is what he wanted, you know, with his timing thing. The morning of the 9th, he picked up the bomb from the workshop and took it to the train station and met with Marguerite, where he gave her the package. And then she took a taxi to the airport and arranged to have it shipped out on the flight that Rita would be on. As, like, mail. You know, like, they were sending it to these places. Um, And also, this thing was, like, really heavy. There was, like, a lot of dynamite in there. And the taxi driver had to, like, ca- like carry it for her into the into the airport. Because it was really heavy. Um, Jewelry after- ain't heavy. <laughs> <laughs> so then... These days, you'd have to pay, like, an extra $10,000 for all that weight. Yep, yep. <laughs> So after Albert dropped Rita off at the airport that morning, um, he phoned Marguerite and he was pleased to find out that there were no hiccups in his plan. Or so he thought. What he didn't know was that Rita's flight was delayed by five minutes, which meant that the plane was indeed not over the river when the bomb detonated. I can't believe how easy it was to get a bomb on a plane in the 1950s. I know, right? <laughs> Nobody she was like, was I looking. have this package and I would like to ship it. And they're like, sure thing, bitch. Let's go. <laughs> And like the morning of, she she went in the morning of and was like, put this on the plane. And they were like, you got it, ma'am. Mm-hmm. The first report of the crash came in at one o'clock, but it didn't have any names on it. So like, you know, obviously it like came over the radios and stuff. And by 3.30, Rita's mother was like getting call after call asking if Rita had survived, which is so fucking sad. Yeah. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. So she sent Albert to go find out. Rita's mom sent Albert. 
He went back to the same place that he purchased her ticket. It was like at a hotel. You could like purchase plane tickets at a hotel. I can't remember the name. It was like something Frontenac. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. Fancy French name. Um, And he asked if it was true that his wife's plane had crashed. And the worker nodded. And Albert began sobbing and moaning so uncontrollably that the worker summoned a local priest to comfort him. I wish you could hear how hard I'm rolling my eyes. Like, <laughs> Jesus. That's what that's what they thought he needed. Yeah. So now we're going to get into, like, the investigation and the trial. Albert didn't think that there was going to be an investigation because he thought that they would just think it was an accident. But a plane blew up. Yeah. <laughs> well, they just thought that the plane crashed. They didn't know anything about an explosion yet. Oh, okay. Canadian Pacific Airway, Airway, Railway, Canadian Pacific Railway, um, of which the airline was a really large subsidiary, was like baffled by this crash. There hadn't been a single passenger fatality on their airline since 1942. So they had the head of their investigations department, Jean E. Bellinger get to work investigating because there was like there they were like there's no way there's no way that this just crashed because we have faith in our airplanes i just that that is a name of an investigator that <laughs> is know. the name of an investigator <laughs> <laughs> but back on land in lower town like the turd wad that he is or was two days after the crash Albert phoned his lawyer to see what steps he should take if the airline was found responsible for the crash. A.K.A. he was going to try and sue and get money. He's not subtle. No, no not, not at, at all. all. Like, what, it, what does he think is going to happen? He's going to get that money. <laughs> Apparently. So Bellinger sent three of his employees to Quebec because... He assumed that it wasn't going to be anything crazy. Like, he was just like, you three, go check it out. But the night after arriving there, one of his employees called him and they said, I don't like this. And he left to Quebec immediately. <laughs> yeah. Because he He's obviously like, trusted nope. them. <laughs> and he was like, mm, yeah, I don't like this either, apparently. <laughs> Before Ballinger got there, several other investigators had already like looked through the wreckage and said that they were almost certain that there had been an explosion before the crash and testimonies from people that heard an explosion like in the town below match that theory. Additionally, uh, and this part is kind of gross. So this is your one and only warning. Typically when a plane crashes nose first, all of the passengers get thrown to the front because you know, like inertia an object in motion stays in motion. Um, but there were bits of people on the back of the passenger compartment, which indicated that there was some sort of backward thrust, like an explosion. So they were trying to figure out what it could have caused this explosion. And a few people who were first to the scene immediately after the crash reported smelling dynamite, which is definitely not permitted on planes. Except under, like, very small and controlled circumstances. And there was no recorded clearance for dynamite on this flight. Also, I'm just saying, like, what a thing to be able to recognize the scent of. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing when I, was, when I was writing this. I was like, if I smelled dynamite, I would not know no. that I smelled dynamite. No. <laughs> but I guess, like, back then, when you could just buy dynamite <laughs> to blow up tree stumps. 
I guess people probably knew what it smelled like. a fake name and they wouldn't even check. Yeah. So with this, they were able to locate where the explosion originated from inside the plane. And I don't know how they were like, I guess the biggest destruction was like in this like very first compartment or something. And the manifest stated what was inside that compartment. (laughs) I wrote apartment, but it's compartment. (laughs) And they were able to narrow down the explosion to one package because there were two other packages. One had like lingerie and the other had like car parts because um, when you check the package in at the airport, they'll ask you or like sometimes people will say what's in the package. They're like, Oh, it's lingerie or Oh, it's just car parts. Um, but uh, obviously Marguerite didn't specify. <laughs> oh, this is just dynamite for my friend to blow up her tree stumps. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they soon found out that this package was addressed to a fake name with a fake return address as well. So they were like, that's a little suspicious. That's weird. So they began, <laughs> So they began searching through the manifest, and at first they thought that someone may have had some beef with these, like, three American executives that were on board, but that didn't really seem plausible. So with some more thorough investigation, Rita seemed to have been the only plausible target, which I, like, they must have, like, talked to people around town and been like, those people must have been like, yeah, Albert was fucking crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So they took this info to local police, and seeing as Albert had been arrested for that argument with Marie-Ange, they paid Marie-Ange a visit. They described the woman who dropped off the package at the airport, a woman with dark hair. Um, She also had plucked eyebrows and dark eyes. And they asked Marie-Ange if she knew anyone with the description. And she said, of course, that sounds like Marguerite. (laughs) Also, I just want to mention that the public thought that the plane crash had been written off as like a freak accident. So they had no idea about any investigation that was happening. Oh, but the stupid taxi driver who drove Marguerite to the airport and who was working with the police to like identify Marguerite and like all this different stuff went to a journalist and this journalist didn't name names, but they said that the police were looking for a dark haired woman who took a suspicious package to the airport. I'm just, uh, people, people. What a stupid ass. Suck. Okay. <laughs> he is stupid. He said, give me my, uh, 15 minutes of fame. Um, Literally. For giving you this information. No, sir. Drive your taxi and leave. <sighs> He's like, so I'm this- a hero. I gave them information. <laughs> of the police. Press. <laughs> so this is where Albert really starts to, like, lose his fucking mind. He reads this article. And then he goes to Marguerite's apartment and tells her that she should commit suicide and leave a note behind that says that she planted the bomb because she thought Albert was going to be on the plane and she wanted to kill Albert. <laughs> like, my dude, really? You're going to tell her to kill herself now? Really? After she just helped you kill your wife? She said no, by the way. There's what everyone else. But good, <laughs> like, good. any favor? I'm, I'm glad that she she stopped there. <laughs> <laughs> that night, though, Marguerite told the fiancé of one of her other brothers what Gay had proposed to her. And then she called the doctor and said that she was having abdominal pains and that she wanted to be admitted to the hospital. So maybe, like, she said no, but she was like, actually, (laughs) that sounds like a lot of attention. (laughs) So she went to the hospital, and the hospital, like, gave her a bed and everything. But while she was there, 
she had actually taken some sleeping pills with her. And when she felt like the staff wasn't giving her enough attention, she took a bunch of these sleeping pills to make herself like drowsy and seem like fucked up. Did did she just do you think she just like wanted I don't know, because Albert's I think she just wanted the attention. But Albert's crazy. So maybe she just like wanted to convince these people that she wasn't well for her well. Maybe like she wanted to keep herself safe. That's smart. Because I wouldn't want to be just like out Mm -hmm. and about because this man is known to ambush people. He's fucking crazy. Yeah. He's known to bite faces. Yeah, literally. (laughs) So I will I'm I would yeah think to do something similar. But while she was in the hospital, her brother's fiance told her boss, like the fiance went to work and like told her own boss about what Marguerite had said to her. And then that boss went to the police and the police questioned Marguerite when she got out of the hospital. Finally, someone telling someone something. About <laughs> to <time>. which. <laughs> and she told the police that she took the package to the airport as a favor for Albert. But Albert told her that the package contained a statue. <laughs> Still, they took her into custody on accounts of attempted suicide because of the sleeping pills. And then they broadcasted this news like as a break in the case. And Albert was eating like birthday, his birthday dinner with his family when it was broadcasted. And his reply to hearing this was to stand up, slam his hand on the table and yell, damned slut. (laughs) And then really quickly, he was like, I'm going to my mother's house. And he just left. Oh, my God. And so at the same time that he was yelling, damned slut, to the radio, <laughs> the attorney, the attorney, attorney, the attorney general was issuing a warrant for his arrest and he was picked up just after reaching his mother's house. He was charged with the murder of his wife. And upon hearing this, his mother-in-law said, he's a, he's a boy with big dreams. No, actually, <laughs> actually, no, no. <laughs> the mother-in-law said that? The mother-in-law. No. Rita's mom. No. Oh my god. Like what? No. He's not a boy. He's a grown fucking man. Literally. So he also, was putting... that's not that's not a suitable big dream. I'm sorry. But no. You can have no. dreams about being a rock star, dude. Like, do not fuck with me. <laughs> he was put in Quebec's men's jail and they put a police informant in there with him, which in the article that I was reading, they called a stool pigeon. And I, I know, like, I read that and I was like, what the is hell a is a stool, stool pigeon? pigeon? <laughs> so I had to look that up. But <laughs> obviously, Albert being the kind of guy that he is, like he's just so personal and so social. He immediately spilled his guts. <laughs> like immediately. That guy's sitting said, in there like a little snake <laughs> stool pigeon. like. <laughs> and, Margaret, and he told the stool pigeon that Marguerite's brother had built the bomb for him. And now Isabella is going to continue this just this hilarious story. So the police were like, thanks for the information. Um, really cool of you to just tell us everything. And so they went to uh, Ruiz, Ruiz Roost? house. Roost? Roost. They went to Roost's house and asked him if he had, in fact, made the bomb. And Roost was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> But he's like, but I, but I made it because I thought it was, you know, going to be to blow up some stumps. 
I don't know. It was to kill Rita. Some obviously. fucking stumps. The stumps. <laughs> the stumps. <laughs> so they were like, okay, cool. So we have, um, we have Albert being like, yeah, I asked Roos to make the bomb, and Roos is like, yeah, I made the bomb. They're all just confirming everything willy nilly, no problem. So Captain uh, Matei, who was like the lead investigator, went to the house of one of his friends. Uh, he was a chemistry professor at Laval University. His name was Dr. Lucien Gre- Gre- Gravel. Gravel. Anyway, Captain Matei um, asked Gravel. I'm going to just say Gravel. Gravel. Um, Gravel. <laughs> he asked him if it was indeed possible to construct a bomb using an alarm clock, a fuse, batteries, and like some other simple pieces of equipment. And Gravel was like, yeah, of course it is. And he even went to the trouble of drawing a whole diagram for Matei and explained how everything would work. And so several days later, Matei asked Gravel if he would build a bomb in court to show that it was possible to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because uh, at this point they were trying to get the case to trial, but the crown wouldn't accept it because they didn't think it was possible to build a bomb with like a build, build a bomb of that magnitude with that simple of equipment. Um, so they wanted Gravel to build the bomb in course. And at first he was hesitant because he was like, no, for ethical reasons, I don't really want to build a bomb. <laughs> in court and show people how to do this yeah. and then Matei was like get over yourself we have a dumbass to convict <laughs> and Gravel was like yeah you're right and so they went to court and uh, Gravel built the bomb and the judge was like wow okay and um, they decided to bring the case to trial imagine being on that jury right? <laughs> I feel I mean, like this wasn't, uh... even, this wasn't even jury yet like this oh, was no, just that a man like building just a bomb judge. for a judge mm. So Albert's trial began on February 24th, 1950. And I'm just now realizing, realizing that I've been saying the 50s this whole time. Apparently it was the 40s. Um, that's my bad. <laughs> but close enough. It was like 1948 and 49. Um, and by then he had like really gained some fame. Bunny ears. Um, one of the victim's sons, like the one of the guys from America, the like executives, tried to rob a liquor store in Massachusetts to get enough money to fly to Canada and kill Albert himself. Uh, Which like word, but don't get yourself in trouble, my dude. Yeah, he robbed a liquor store like literally. Let the trial go through. If he doesn't get convicted, then maybe make some plans. Yeah. But (laughs) so the trial lasts lasted lasted two and a half weeks and he was tried by an all-male jury because it was the 40s the 1950 in Quebec (laughs) during the trial he basically acted like he didn't really care and he even dozed off during a testimony about how airplanes work he said which I can't say stop lecturing me (laughs) literally which I like I would probably be pretty bored during a lecture about airplanes too, but like it's your it's your murder trial. <laughs> it's your murder trial. He didn't even testify on his own behalf, and he only showed emotion once when Marie Ange took the stand and said that <laughs> she did not love him anymore, which clearly hurt him but like i clearly don't care yeah (laughs) she was like probably she was probably so relieved that she could like make that statement in front of a bunch of people oh my god yeah and be like dude i fucking hate you and what you did to me like you're awful yeah 
And so Albert was convicted on March 14th, 1950, not even a month later. And the jury deliberated for 17 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And he did it. (laughs) He did it. This dude did it. And when the judge sentenced him to hanging, (laughs) the judge burst into tears and claimed, quote, the judge, your crime is infamous. It has no name. Because it was, like, so horrible. Like, he killed, like, 23 yeah, people. that's fucked While up. just trying to kill his wife. Yeah. So, after Albert was sent to prison, he decided to implicate Marguerite and her brother in the in the crime, too. Because he's like, if I'm going down, they're coming with me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking everyone down. <laughs> so, two days after Albert tattled, Roost was arrested and charged with murder and the willful manufacturing of a bomb. During his trial, uh... Marguerite was also arrested and put on trial for murder, but at one point she was also on trial for attempted suicide, perjury, and intimidating a witness. But those other three things were eventually dropped, which I will never understand charging someone for attempted suicide. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, very weird. Yeah. Uh, But on January 3rd, 1951, Roost was convicted, and just nine days later, uh, Gay was hanged. Gay never got to see Marie-Ange again, by the way. Good. Um, And Marguerite's trial ended two months later, and she was also found guilty of murder. And after being given her sentence, she was asked if she had anything she wanted to say, and she then decided it was a good time to compare herself and her trial to that of Jesus. I'm a beg to Not a good time. Because you... Not never a good time. <laughs> you know... No. no. Um, and yeah, they were both hanged. Roost and yeah. Marguerite. Which I'm honestly All surprised. three of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like Canada, I'm really surprised they had the death penalty in the 50s. I don't know why. I just feel like it's something they would have abolished so, so, so long ago because Well, this Canada. is like, this is like Quebec, Canada. So like very French Canada. And the last they still got that French, French the last French uh, death penalty by guillotine was in like the 70s it was the so, same year star wars came out it was 1977 yeah so mm-hmm. i'm not that surprised but that's funny <laughs> canada Still typically canada. is pretty progressive yeah but yeah that's um mass murderer albert gay j albert gay um he was a piece of shit so Truly. he doesn't really deserve yeah. the j no i would and so were marguerite and her brother and marie Ange. She knew about the wife and the child, which is fucked up. Also but she didn't deserve child. the abuse she and the manipulation. She was so young. Yeah. yeah, she was so young, and so she, and she was obviously being very much manipulated. Oh, and intimidated. Like yeah, but Real. if you want to see fo- if you want to see photos of Albert, uh, he like in in the things that I read, some people said that he was like good looking, but I just don't see it. I just don't see it. People say that about Ted Bundy. I don't see it. I don't, I don't think really Ted see Ted Bundy either. It he wasn't looks... about, I think what made him more good looking was the fact that he was so charismatic. Mm. Like, because yeah. when someone has a personality like that you can easily like, it is much easier to find them attractive. True. That's true. true. That's but true. I don't think Albert had that personality. But I am going to look at him right now. He's not what I would describe as. <laughs> he has a very, very big forehead. Yeah. 
he's not what I would describe as good looking, but his wife was like, she was pretty beautiful. Rita? Yeah. Yes. Marguerite? Uh, mm, mm. They kind of look but the same to me. If you <laughs> no, I don't. If you want to look, if you want to see these pictures, they will be posted on our Instagram and on our Facebook. So head over there. And while you're there, you can join our Facebook group and chat with us. You can find it by just searching True Crime International in the little search bar. And if you want to see our Facebook, you know, come chat it up over there. Not our Facebook, our Instagram. Yeah. I just said Facebook. Our Instagram. It's at True Crime INTL. And if you have an extra $5 to spend a month and you want more True Crime International content, you can hit us up on Patreon and sign up for our Patreon and get at least three things of extra content a month. And there's already going to be like six of them on there by the time you hear this episode. So basically, you're just really getting it all. Lots of extra time. Um, also, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you're feeling generous today, we would love it if you could leave us a five-star review because that really helps boost our podcast and and make it to more people who may like true crime and international stuff. So we would really appreciate it. You can leave us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but that's all we have for you today. I hope you, we hope you uh, had fun. Maybe learned something new. Maybe didn't. Maybe were annoyed by Albert like we were. But most of all, we hope you enjoyed your stay here at True Crime International. Bye. 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 Bye.